Well, good morning, everyone. My chance to say good morning. Great to be here again. Um, as Charlie mentioned, uh, we are taking a little pause uh, from our John series today. Uh, the passage that um, I'll explain why this is. It's very much my fault, not Charlie's. Okay. So the, the passage that Charlie preached on last week, um, he was preaching on verses 1 to 24. I preached on that passage at Hillview the week before, but I was a bit cheeky and also included the following verses. Verses 25 to 36, just as I prepped, it just felt like that's the way God was leading me and directing me. So I had a bit of a conundrum there for this week. Do I repeat the verses that Charlie's already preached on and, and the subsequent verses, or do I look at a standalone topic that we looked at Hillview last week? And uh, we, I chatted to uh, Charlie and, and Colin about this, and we felt that I should do the latter. Uh, so if you want to hear uh, what I felt the Lord leading me to share from John 7, uh, then you can find that on the Hillview website or the Hillview YouTube channel, and uh, you're very welcome to do that. But for today, as uh, Charlie sort of briefly mentioned, I want to ask the question, what does it mean to be a member of the church? A member of the church of Jesus Christ. What is this thing, church? What does it mean to be part of the church? What's with, what's with this word, membership? We hear this word in various contexts. A couple of weekends ago, uh, or no, in fact, it was last weekend, uh, Bethany, and I, Bethany, my daughter, and I were at a, a university open day down in Glasgow. And it's scary that my daughter is at this stage of life of considering universities. And uh, one of the things that Strathclyde Uni were promoting to Bethany that day was that they had over 200 clubs and societies that you could be part of. And they said, you know, so pretty much any interest that you have, there's a club for it. And, and, and if they don't have a club for it, guess what? You can start one. And apparently the university are pretty keen for you to do that. And I was thinking, you know, is, is, is that what membership, you know, they were talking about being a member of a club and society. Is that the same as membership in the church? A shared interest? A, a club? Another place we hear this word membership is Costco. If any of you have a Costco card, you walk in and in the horrible fluorescent lighting and the cement you see over there on the way out, Costco membership. And uh, you're wondering, what on earth is this? Does, does membership mean, as it does here at Costco, paying ridiculous amounts of money for things that you never really needed in quantities that no normal house should be able to store them in anyway? Or is it just a way to get the one ninety nine hot dog and juice combo or a slice of pizza? Is that is that what Costco memberships all about? But you know, membership. What's that got to do with the church? Why do we talk about church membership? Club, something exclusive, a shared interest. What is this? Well, membership is so much more than that. Kintour Community Church is in a really exciting moment. I think it's a season of of growth, a season of change. And we've had lots of new faces around the church over the last months uh, and over the last year. And some of those faces are sticking with us. Some have not stuck with us to this point. And maybe some aren't sure. Maybe there's some here this morning who aren't sure. You know, and that's good. It's, it's an exciting season of, of change in the church. And then we also, as Charlie mentioned this, we're just celebrating new life in Jesus. Eve's baptism last week. And let me tell you, I think, God willing, that's not going to be the last baptismal service. In fact, I think it's quite soon there's going to be more baptismal services here at Kintour, which is wonderful. And it's a time of welcoming those into our midst who are just at the very earliest stages of exploring life in Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? What is this going to mean for me and my life? 
and where God has put me. And that's wonderful that we've got people of all stages. I hope every single week there are people who are not yet Christians, part of this gathering, and not just part of this gathering, but in, in relationship with people in this church, exploring who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And it's also a season about seeking God about big things. So just a, a really briefly just to mention um, that the recruitment team uh, has been very busy in the last few weeks. So we're in this season of um, looking for a new pastor to oversee the work here in Kintour. And we've been meeting an awful lot, sometimes on Zoom, sometimes in person. And just to share with you that there are um, three or four men that we are in particular contact with, just exploring with them the possibility of this role as Kintour pastor. I'll be honest with you, um, we're finding it hard. It's, it, it feels like a, a solemn and weighty responsibility, and it is that to try and um, discern together as a team who we might present to the church so that we then as a whole church can consider uh, is this God's person for this particular role. So we don't have any sort of slam dunk answer to that yet, but we're working really hard on it. There will be many, many hours spent as a recruitment team figuring this, trying to figure these things out. And we just continue to cherish your prayers. There still are some uh, appointments coming up in the diary, other people that we're connecting with, and we're just praying that we will be able to discern the mind of Christ in this, so that we then, as the church, can do that. If you have a, just the briefest comment on that, if you have any more questions, speak to myself, or to Derek, or to Claire, or to Charlie Colin, and then we can give you a bit more of an update. And then, and then maybe more in the background than that, I think purposefully, there's this question as well that we've mentioned a few times of a possible building that we're praying about. Will God open the door for us to have a, a permanent presence? Here in Kintour, and I think I hope that we're praying about that, just asking God to, to direct and, and move, and, and then of course all the requirements for that, for, for God to provide the, the resources for that, and, and we're just pondering that together. And also, alongside all those kind of big things, I think we're in a season where God is, through the faithful ministry of various people in the church, God is just reminding us as well of the absolutely foundational importance of you know, the fundamental, fundamentals of Christian life. Prayer, discipleship, reading our Bibles, understanding the Bible together, and reaching out in the community and things like that. And of course, friends, we know that this is just the beginning. There's so much exciting kingdom work that God has for Contour Community Church to be a part of. Now, who is that? Who is Contour Community Church? We, we, we sometimes, I think rightfully, and I love this thread in the scriptures, we, we rightfully speak of us as family. We are the family of a welcome family together. And I think that's awesome, and we're going to see why in a second. But perhaps less so, we speak about membership. And I'll, I'll be honest, hold my hands up. I, I don't think I have done a great job of, of keeping this before us as a church. The, the whole idea of what membership is and why it's important. And, and today's message is meant to redress that imbalance a little bit. And, and just to flag with you, this sermon is going to be quite different to most other sermons. It, if I'm honest, it's probably more of a, a teach than a preach. Um, and maybe you can uh, pick up on, on some of the differences of that. Um, and there's loads to get through, okay? So I'm encouraging us all, buckle up, put your seatbelt on. We're going to move fast through a lot of stuff. And, and, and you can come back to me on any of these things. Uh, if anything, if I say something which seems weird or uncertain to you, then come and speak to me. 
And I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because as we go to 1 Corinthians 12, or as you find your way there in an app, um, if you don't have an app on your phone, you can go to your store and look for a version. It's a good option there. We're going to read from ESV today. Here's something I want to say so clearly right at the start. A Christian, any Christian, is part of the church of Jesus Christ, as a member of the church of Jesus Christ. When someone comes to Jesus, gives their life to God, is made alive, and made alive in Christ, they are born into a family. They are welcomed into a people. And certainly in the scriptures, there are many verses that speak of what God has done for us as individuals. But if I'm honest, sometimes I feel that we overly focus on those because so many of the principles in the scriptures are spoken to us as a people. Us as a people. And the New Testament has a number of different pictures it uses for what the church is. So for example, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So Jesus, you know, the head of the body of the church, that in him we are made up into the vine, into his church. There are other pictures. We are sheep individually in one flock. We are stones individually which come together to make up this building, this temple for God. We are children, sons and daughters in a family. And I think probably um, the clearest with regard to this idea of membership is in 1 Corinthians 12 where it refers to us as being different parts of the body, different members of the body. So let's read from verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. You hear the repetition of one here. This is the focus. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. That's pointing to the wonderful diversity that there is in Jesus' church. And all were made to drink of one spirit. Now please jump down to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. This deep, deep fellowship together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That's why it was right that we all cheered when someone mentioned Eve's baptism. Yay! Because it was an awesome moment. Now, you, verse 27, you are the body of Christ and individually members of him. So, there is the body of Christ, and we have to remember who Paul's writing to. Paul's writing to a church in Corinth, actually probably a group of churches, the letter would be read in one little gathering, passed to the next one. So Paul's saying, you Corinthians, you are the body of Christ, and individually you are members of that body. You each make up that body. So a Christian, any Christian, is part of Jesus' church. That's why it's important that we never give up affirming that important reality here in Kintour Community Church. And especially if you are settled here for more than a few weeks, if you, if you know that this is your spiritual home, then you're part of the church family, whether you're a member or not. And I really want to say that so clearly. And there's, there's certain ways that we stress that. For example, at communion, one of the things that I think we say every time, should say every time, is that, hey, this table where there's bread and juice representing Jesus' body and bloodshed for us, it's an open table. If you love Jesus, come. Why? Because we're all part of his family. We're all part of his church. So before we come to think about, here's what really this sermon is addressing, 
why do we have a formal membership, right? But before we get there, I just want to acknowledge that there are a number of scenarios where that's not possible. Or there are seasons in life where it's not the right thing for some people. And we have had people come to us and say, hey, do you know what? I'm, I'm here in Kintore or Hillview, but for this reason, for that reason, I don't feel it's right to join as a member. And there's lots of good reasons for that. Um, what I'm, I just want to say something, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty today, right? What I'm trying to do here is just lift up the beauty of how I think in normal circumstances, God has planned for us to be together in His church. So, why do we have formal membership on this? Well, this is where I would love to be able to point to the verse where it says, And behold, I say unto you, join as a member of Kintour Community Church. And turn to Appendix 3, where you can see a list of the rotas available for you to get more. But that's not the case. That's, there is no such verse. You see, this is not how the scriptures work. Um, here's how the scriptures work. You know, sometimes specific questions relevant for us in this day and age are not particularly clear. But what is clear in the Bible are principles. And then God gives us principles that we can use and make real and make valuable for every single culture across the world and across history. That's the thing. If God gave us very specific things for Kintour Community Church, what would that mean for Malawi 500 years ago? It would be confusing. So God gives us clear principles which every culture in every time of history can apply clearly. And that's what happens in this, uh, in this scenario. And that, by the way, is why... There's, there's freedom for how these things should be applied. And again, I just want to say so clearly that we recognize that two things. Many different churches have a different take on what membership in the church looks like. And I totally respect that. Some of my best friends are involved in leading churches, but they've got a totally different understanding of membership. And I really respect the reasons why they've gone in a different direction. So I think that's important to recognize. We should hold these things loosely. And yet... I think it's appropriate and wise for us as Contour Community Church to have good convictions as to why God is organizing us the way he is. So very practically, here are some of the reasons from the scriptures why Contour has a formal membership and why we would encourage you to become a member if you're part of this church. And, and for us who are members here today, it's a chance for us to reflect on how we are engaging in the church that God has brought us to be. Here's the first thing. Please turn to Acts chapter 1. Because I want you to see that there were records that were kept in the earliest days of the church. Right? So, um, look at Acts verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The company of persons was in all about 120. Now, I love this. You've got this initial group of 120 people, which maybe contours not quite 120, but when we're all here, all together at once, we're probably not that far away from it. And one of the things I love about this verse was, it was the last time the church of Jesus Christ could fit in one room, because something amazing is about to happen. Look what God did with a group of just 120 people. Um, the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, and Peter preaches this message, which to be honest goes along the lines of pretty much every other sermon in Acts, which is to say, hey, uh, here's Jesus, here's who you thought Jesus was, you got that wrong, Jesus died, he's risen, he's exalted, he's coming back again, get to know this Jesus, right? That's pretty much the sermon that Peter preaches. And then listen to the response from verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. 
Now when they heard this, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So here's this baptism mentioned at the very first point of the, the birth of the church. We just read in 1 Corinthians 12 that Paul will clarify that, that baptism, you were baptized into one body. Here, Peter says, first thing you do, you're, you're convicted by God's word, repent and be baptized, all of you. And it says then about 3,000 were added to their number. And, and here's the thing, the, the, the point is they, there were 3,000 people who were originally not part of the church, who now were part of the church of Jesus Christ. There's a sense of who these number, what these numbers were, and this happened a number of times in Acts. Turn over a page, maybe to Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, and it says this, but many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men on this occasion came to be about 5,000. So there's at least some sort of record being kept. Now, admittedly, they're, they're quite loose in, in general in the way this is worded. About this number came uh, to faith. There may have been exact records kept, but Luke doesn't seem interested in that at this point. But he does record the numbers that have come. And then here's the second thing. He begins to record for us in Acts that there was some organizational clarity that the church embraced as it grew. Um, please look to Acts chapter 6. I mean, so in, in Acts chapter 2, you have this amazing explosion of the grace and power of God. And then alongside that, there was administration <laughs> and organization. And depending on who you are, maybe different personalities here. Some of us maybe would hold these in, in conflict, say, yeah, oh yeah, I love it. The Holy Spirit moved and lots of people came to faith. Let's get going. You know, I don't really care too much about that organization piece. And maybe others of you would say, oh, well, that, that's great that people came to Jesus, but how would that work in practice? And what would the structure? We, we should not hold these things in conflict. Our intention, this is the beauty of the, of the church of Jesus. We're all different. We all think about these things differently. And these things are held together. And it's important we recognize 1 Corinthians 14 says that everything in the church should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So there's a time for careful organization. And this is what we see here. They did not leave this movement of God as some crazy undefined movement, but they got organized. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Now in those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, that's the Jews who spoke Greek, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So there, there's an increase in number, and as often happens when that's the case, problems arise, questions arise. And a really important issue here is that there's, there's this, you know, Charlie was talking about the need to care for those who don't have as much as others of us, and uh, through distribution of food. Well here, certain people are getting left out of that distribution, and this issue is coming before them. Now listen to how they deal with this. Look at verse 2. And the twelve, so the twelve apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples, so there is some sense they knew who the full number were, and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And then let, let's keep reading. Therefore, brothers and sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. 
but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, on it goes. So do you see here, there are leaders, you know, the 12 apostles, there are also men chosen from among the full number of the disciples, and it is in verse 5, it's the whole gathering that is to play a role in working this out. Now the question is this, what does that mean, whole gathering? It's the gathering of those in the church. It's the members of the church. And we see this multiple other times in Acts. Groups of individual churches being referred to. Paul would often go and appoint elders in a church. So there's some degree of who is the church becoming clearer and clearer. So that the ministry of the church can function well. Now, what am I getting at there? Here's the reality. Sometimes important matters need to be discussed and decided about in the church of Jesus Christ. And, and we need a way to make important decisions. So I'll just give you an example of this. And if you turn over to Acts chapter 15, I actually read these words at the start of our last church forum here in the Contour. Because this is a hugely important moment of God's work unfolding. Now we're not going to get into the details of what this issue is. What I'm trying to get at today is how did they navigate this together? So let's look at verse 6 of Acts chapter 15. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. So that's one reality of how it was working out. Verse 12. All the assembly. So there's the gathering of the apostles and elders. And then there is within that, at the same time, I think, the gathering of all the assembly. Verse 12. All the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Now, so there's a, there's a, there's a listening to the leaders there among the whole assembly, but then listen to verse 22. Then it seemed good to who? To the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch and Paul and Barnabas. And, and there's a verse later on, I forget exactly what verse it is, but you cast your, yeah, so verse 28, I love this little phrase, it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I love that description of how decisions should be made in the church. There's a humility there, right? It's seemed good. The Holy Spirit's presence is with us to the whole gathering how God is, is, is uh, moving among us. And I just want to draw your attention to one thing in verse 22. See where it says the word there, the whole church. What is that? It's this word, ecclesia. It's the gathering of God's people. Now, why am I flagging that? I'm flagging that because, please turn back to Matthew chapter 18. This is important because Jesus uses this same word, ecclesia, in Matthew chapter 18. And what's significant about this is Jesus actually didn't have very much to say at all about the church in, in particular and how the church should operate. But he did say some really particular things in Matthew 18, which are very important for us. Look at verse 15. So this is Jesus speaking. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Something happens in the church. You're not just a broadcaster to everyone. There's a sense in which together, members of each other's lives, and together in accountability and fellowship, we're to go and try and address that together. 
And if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So this is a push towards transparency, not keeping things all hidden and the dangers that can happen there. But listen to verse 17 then. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church, ecclesia, the gathering of God's people. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you a Gentile and tax collector. Now, this is serious and, and, and heavy. You have this very difficult situation of someone's sinful behavior being confronted. And if they don't listen to the very steps that Jesus lays out, it is the church who is to make the final call as to whether someone is to be treated as, quote, a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, two important things to say about that. First of all, how did Jesus treat Gentiles and tax collectors? He loved them. He wanted to be with them. He walked alongside them. He desired fellowship with them. He gave them space and all their mess and struggle to deal with that. So, so yes, that's true. But there is also this significant point that he's making so clearly in Matthew 18 that there is a sense in which they are no longer to be considered as part of the living, breathing, active fellowship, membership of the Church of Jesus Christ in certain circumstances. And, and, and the, the main point here is, who is it that is the, making this final call as to how this plays out? It's the church. The church. Now, do you see how this necessitates some sort of church membership? If someone continually is involved in some sort of divisive, disruptive, sinful behavior, whatever that might be, some examples, you know, constant gossip, constant divisive spirit, angry, abusive behavior, or words towards someone else. And there's so many other things, of course, we could list. And we follow Jesus' directions, and this person shows no signs of coming back to the way of Jesus. The church is to function as the final point of decision as to how to proceed, perhaps even removing that person from the fellowship of membership in the church. It's the church that's to do that. And the question is, what church? We're talking about the, the universal church here? No, of course not. These are locally rooted matters. Are we, are we talking about the church of a, a particular village? Like, can we, can we bring in North Parish Church into the mix to talk about some of these issues? No, of course not. We, we love that God is doing amazing work in Kintor Church, but, but it's not appropriate to, to, to bring someone in to deal with these sorts of issues. Some sort of understanding of membership is required. To understand, okay, how do we, as this gathering, deal with these very difficult questions? Now, not only does this passage highlight that there needs to be this definable group of people who deal with matters of the language that we use of this, this is called church discipline. It's known as church discipline. There does come a point when with pleading and with tears, we have to say to someone, you are not living in a way which is consistent with life in Jesus. And, and, and we do that, like I say, with a humility, with a longing, asking that brother or sister to come back, come back to the way of Jesus, come back to the narrow path, 
that leads to fullness of life. We're pleading, we're, we're yearning with them, saying, you're on a path to destruction here. This is not the way a son or daughter of the king is to behave. Willfully, continually, he says, not, not interested. Not interested. Don't care what the Bible says. Don't care what Jesus says. Don't care what Jesus wants from me. I'm going my own path. A church has to make those calls. And then the sort of other side of that coin is that passage, Matthew 18, also does highlight this reality that someone can be removed from the church. And we're going to look at this. Please turn to 1 Corinthians 5. Because I think that passage, Matthew 18, I think 1 Corinthians 5, other passages as well, um, point to this fact that the New Testament, friends, assumes that there is an in and an out when we're thinking about the church. Now, caveat to that point, we have to be really careful here because um, it's hard often to discern when that moment is when someone goes from being outside of the church to inside of the church. <laughs> and we've got to be so slow to judge those matters. So if you think of Jesus' ministry, there are some examples where it's pretty clear. For example, Zacchaeus, Jesus calls him down from the tree, goes to have dinner with him, and then Zacchaeus repents, and Jesus says really clearly, salvation has come to this house today. That's a positive example. There's also other negative examples where, for example, the rich young ruler, Jesus confronts him, shows him what it means to follow him, and it says the rich young ruler went away sad because he cherished his riches. But there are also lots of examples in the, in the Gospels where it's not clear. Where is that moment where someone goes from being, you know, to use Ephesians 2 language, dead in your trespasses, transgressions and sins, to being alive in Jesus Christ? Now, I, my, my, my read of the scriptures is there is a moment where God makes someone, there is a particular moment where God brings someone to life in Jesus. But we don't always know exactly when that moment is. I look at my own life. And I, I don't know when that might be, might have been. And if, another example from the Gospels, a really interesting little task for you. Think of the life of Peter and ask yourself a question as you read through the Gospels. When did Peter become a Christian? <laughs> and there's so many different moments where you could say, ah, that's when he got it. Well, that one, he didn't get it yet. Well, that's when he got it. Uh, you know, so anyway, we need to be really careful about this in and out, right? And we don't want to be quick to judge those issues, but we also don't want to ignore them this reality. We should have massive patience for those encountering Jesus, but there is also a moment where someone is either part of the church of Jesus or they're not. I think 1 Corinthians 5 is one of the most important chapters in the Bible on how churches should operate. And uh, let's look at a few of these verses. Look at verse 1. It, you know, you hear just Paul is incredulous at what is going on in the church of Jesus here. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has that is, has a relationship with his father's wife and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit and as at present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. And then he says, this is how you're to navigate this. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus. That, I think when my spirit is present, that's a, a, a highlighting the fact that, yes, we're to navigate these things in the local church. But never forget that we're part of the bigger story of what God is doing. 
Um, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Those are hard words, but, but hear, hear what the aim is of this. Deliver this person to Satan. That is, acknowledge that something needs to change. We, we need to call this person to account. They need to see that they're not living in a way which is consistent with how Jesus has called us to live. Why are we doing that though? For the destruction of the flesh. Now, that sounds horrific, but what it's actually getting at is the destruction of our old way, the destruction of our sinful way, our, our selfish way. So that, look at that at the end of verse 5, so that his spirit may be saved. Stop going your own way. Stop doing your own thing. Come to Jesus so that your spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Look down to verse 12. And this is, this is so crucial, friends, because I think so often the church has completely flipped 1 Corinthians 5, where we don't really care enough about what is going on in the church, and we do care too much to judge what is going on outside of the church. 1 Corinthians 5 says it should be the complete opposite. Care deeply about how people are living in Jesus within the church of Jesus Christ. And look at verse 12. Paul says... Where am I? Paul says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? And you need to read the previous verses to get the full thrust of what he's saying here. But he says, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. We're to care about the behavior, the, the holiness, the purity of the church of Jesus Christ. And again, I'm just asking the question, how can such a removal be possible if the person is not considered a member from that which they should be removed? That sort of response is not to be directed at those who just visit here from time to time. It's about those who are part of this church, those who are, verse 1, among us, is put there. These are important matters for us to navigate carefully sensitively and led by God in his grace and we need to know who the church is for that another reason we need to know who the church is is so we can love one another well and relate to one another well one of the things we have our membership covenant which tries to summarize much of what the new testament calls us to in the church and there's six things you kind of boil that down to it's not the whole story but gather pray care give serve and submit and we think of this word submit and sadly it's it's often a difficult word for us and there's good reason for that truthfully there have been so many horrific abuses of this concept of submission that we sometimes feel a bit awkward when we begin to think about it but alongside establishing structures in the church that should hold us up keep us away from those sorts of abuses of power we should pray for God to grant us a vision of, of how beautiful this picture is, of mutual submission in the church of Jesus. This plays out a number of different ways in the New Testament. First of all, the church together is to submit to Christ, Ephesians 5, 24. Every person in the church of Kintor, every member, every elder, every congregant, every attendee should acknowledge Jesus is the chief shepherd. Jesus is our senior pastor. He's our king, he's our ruler, he is our master. 
Next level of submission. Ephesians 5.21, we are to submit to one another. That is to say we're to lovingly prefer someone else's needs over our own. We're to teach and admonish one another. And in that, we're to come humbly and submit to God's call in our life, often shared with us through other people in the church. Another level of submission that the scriptures speak about is that the church should submit to its leaders. Of Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. <laughs> I, love that. I love that that's why you should let the leaders lead without groaning, because not, not for our sake, but so they would be of no advantage to you. And that's true, right? <laughs> if we're groaning and complaining all the time, that's not going to work out well for us in Kentucky Church. Now, of course, we need to look, make sure that we're not groaning for no good reason, right? That's, that's definitely the case. But, but here's the question. How does such accountability function, mutual submission, all these different levels, without any true understanding of who has committed to live in that relationship? There is an opting into that where you choose to say, okay, 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 I want to participate in this community where I want to open my life to God, to the scriptures, to the elders, and to one another. It's not just any person that walks through the doors is someone who's committed to that. And here's, here's the other thing that's so important, friends, that I have to tell you, as elders, we speak about a lot, and it's a solemn and it's a weighty reality, is, is this idea of us having to give an account before God for the people in our church. You know, who is that? You know, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I trust God's wisdom. God will call me to account for the people who I pastor and shepherd, and... <laughs> I'm not sure how that's going to go, but I trust him as to who he's talking about in that. But I think ultimately, this is why the New Testament lifts up this idea of membership, is because it gives us an idea of who we as elders have a responsibility for. And, and, and I just as well, just by way of an aside on this, just want to flag that if I'm honest, in our elders' meetings, either as we speak about huge encouraging things that God is doing among us, or sadly, often, I'm afraid, as we speak about really difficult things that are happening among us, the, the idea of membership is so important. It comes up so often because there is there's something, again, as I said, like that often people choosing to open their lives in membership, which becomes so significant in terms of how you pastorally walk through some of the challenges and joys that happen in Jesus' church. We need to know who the church is if we want to know this idea of Biblical submission, accountability together. Okay, here's the last thing. Membership is important as we think about the privilege of knowing care and support. Uh, we think about loving people, what does that look like? Well, the church is to act like Jesus did. Who did Jesus love? Everyone is the right answer. Everyone. He, you know, he loved the religious people and the not religious people. He loved the people who were trying to honor him and he loved those who were far off and certainly that is the case for us but it's also clear friends that the new testament teaches that the church has a, a special responsibility to care for those who are within the context of the fellowship of jesus church listen to galatians chapter 6 verse 9 10 let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap 
if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So yes, there is a sense that we are to care for everyone, in Kedor and the surrounding area, but there is also a special care and attention, a special sacrificial love, which is to happen within the church of Jesus Christ. We're done on our little whistle-stop tour of membership in the New Testament. I'm trying to show that if we want to see something of the New Testament life in Jesus' church realized among us, we need to know who that church is. It should be clearly definable in some way with mutually agreed boundaries that we can hold one another to. <laughs> what a glorious, messy, tricky, difficult, challenging, awesome reality the church of Jesus Christ is. It is so beautiful, is it not, that God would draw people like us together week by week, day by day, in each other's lives. <laughs> Look around. What else would draw a group of people like us together but Jesus, right? I mean, we're all so different, so different backgrounds, so different opinions, politics, all the rest of it. So different, but together, Jesus, we just love singing and lifting up the name of Jesus. And he is at the very center of who we are and what we are to be about. These are weighty things. We're talking about the church that Jesus obtained, as it says in Acts 20, verse 28, he obtained himself with his own blood, not just us as individuals, but the church that he obtained with his blood. And I'm asking you, are you a member of the church, of this body of Christ? If you are, I believe the pattern that God has put in place is that that membership in the body of Christ finds expression within a local church what I'm trying to show is that to be a member of the body of Christ is to be a member of a body of Christ. It should be visible in some way. It's not about some legal, administrative list or anything like that. It is an invitation to participate in Jesus' work here in Aberdeenshire. And ultimately, my plea is, do you know Jesus? Are you alive in Him are you connected to his body as part of the amazing work that he is doing in this part of Scotland? And if you are a member of this church, are you living well with your sisters and brothers, taking seriously the various calls of how God has ordained for us to operate together? Dear friends, may God grant us his grace and his power as we walk forward together as Kintour Community Church into what he has for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in Kintour Community Church. What a joy it is to, to meet here week by week and indeed to be involved in each other's lives day by day with so many different people all of us at different stages of our journey, either towards you or having come to you once, we're at various points of struggle and difficulty and joy and passion for you. And, and you're gathering us together, calling us to, to walk forward, to follow your ways, the God of revival, that your name, Jesus, may be made great in the northeast of Scotland. And Father, we just confess that actually life together is often hard. 
Lord, often we get it wrong, often I get it wrong, and, and we all do. We, we sin against you, we sin against one another, and God, we want to pray for your forgiveness in that. We pray that you'd be gracious and merciful with us. Thank you that you are. And I pray that by your Spirit, you would draw us together, lead us on, as your people, sharing the wonderful good news and love of Jesus Christ with this community. Help us, we pray.